0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's roundup. A lot of awesome stuff to talk about this week, but please stick around for the section about Game Padla. It is such a cool way to test controller latency. I'm super excited about it. Lots of great stuff to get excited about this week, but don't skip over that section. All right, let's jump in and see what we got. First up, Jimmy Hoppa just posted an awesome review of a modern Metroidvania game called Ender Lilies. And while this is a brand new game, I'm assuming that a lot of the people listening are probably going to like this work classic style side-scrolling Metroidvania game, so I wanted to share this here. Now, the later on in the review does have a few spoilers in it. However, if you just want to watch the first... 10 minutes or so, you can get a sense of what the game is about without any real spoilers, or at least nothing that you wouldn't see in the first few minutes of the game anyway. So if you're the type of person that wants to know exactly what you're getting into, or if you're like me and you just want to know a little bit about it and then discover this stuff yourself, I think this is an absolutely awesome thing to take a look at. As always, Jimmy goes through and has some screenshots and a very awesome written write-up as well, if that's how you prefer to, to get your reviews and overviews and stuff like that. But Either way, I would definitely take a look because uh, if you're into that style game, this seems like a perfect thing to play. And it's definitely now been added, on my, added to my list of games that I'm really looking forward to playing and that hopefully in the next year, whenever I have time to. But this looks very cool. And thanks to Jimmy for posting this. Here's a fun one. Apparently, the Saturn version of Bomberman had three bonus stages that could only be unlocked if you were using the S-Bomb controller, the Bomberman controller, and it would require you to put the center switch in the HU position, and then you could unlock those three stages only if you had that controller. So the developer, Malenko, behind the Bomberman Fight fan translation reached out to another Saturn hacker, Bo Bales, and asked if there was some way to patch the game so that you could access these stages without that specific controller and Bo was able to do it. So now if you have that game, you could use the X-Delta utility to patch it and just be able to play those stages without that crazy looking controller. So this was a lot of fun for me because I didn't know that controller existed at all, let alone three extra stages for it. So this seems kind of fun and it seems like a no-brainer if you have the ability to load Saturn Homebrew and you're a fan of Bomberman. So definitely uh, check out Patrick's post. Um, All the details are in there, including links to patches and everything, but that one seemed like a lot of fun. Next up, Chris from Displaced Gamers just posted a video talking about why the frame rate of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for NES is so crazy and never consistent. And this is the first video in what he's calling behind the code leveled up. So the Behind the Code series are the ones that we often talk about here that are absolutely awesome deep dives into the code behind what has been NES games so far. And I found them to be really interesting because even though I am not at all a programmer and some things do go over my head, Chris always presents it in a way where just stick with the video and everything will fall into place. And even if you didn't understand a giant chunk of the code, you'll definitely understand how it applies to the game because of all the really great examples that he shows. Now, this Leveled Up series, which isn't going to replace the Behind the Code, it's just going to be occasional things thrown out there whenever Chris wants to put out more details. The Leveled Up is really for programmers. So while I always, sometimes I do need to rewind some of his other videos just because I'm not a programmer, this one I kind of gave up after like five or six minutes because this one is a deep dive. However, if you wanted to know the basics of why the frame rate is weird, just watch the first third of it or something like that. And it that is laid out very clearly and kind of ridiculous. So I'm glad that this turned into a a leveled up version of the series because this is something that anybody who is an NES programmer, I have to guess that you're going to love watching this because it explains in detail some of the craziness and even though i'm not a programmer the first couple minutes made sense to me what didn't is why anybody would program a game like that so there's so many things over the years that i've seen where it was one of those like scrappy team of you know underdogs ch- trying to get it done and that, i don't know this one was weird i don't get it but m- maybe you'll get it if you watch the video but i'm happy that chris did it and i'm, I'm more than happy to promote all of this stuff because there are a lot of really good programmers out there that hey if you wanted to make a modern any game, seeing the wrong way to do it, uh, it might actually open your eyes to some really cool tricks on new ways to accomplish good games. So definitely give it a watch. I just released a video that details the differences between the different Super Nintendo revisions and tried to clarify what one chip is, what are the non one chip revisions, and how you could fix any of those, including a new mod, which I'll talk more about in a second. And this was really a culmination of the entirety of retro RGB because I started this. Before I even had the name RetroRGB when it was just a Google Doc, I really started this to get the best quality out of my favorite consoles, Super Nintendo and Genesis. So this is research that is just, while it's kind of a short, faster-paced video, I couldn't have done this video without all of the years of research and testing so many consoles. And I really think the basic conclusions of, if you're using a CRT with composite, S-video, or RF, don't even worry about any of this if you're using a scaler then you're really going to start to notice a difference with s video and up and if you're using something like a RetroTank 4K, you're going to want to do any of the mods for RGB output for this one. So um, hopefully everything was pretty clear in it. The only things, I, I didn't want this to be a long video. And in fact, it might have been a little too fast-paced. So if you know nothing about this, you might want to you know pause it and rewind if I skip over something too fast. The only two things I wanted to clarify again are number one, there really isn't a difference between one chip 01, 02, and 03 revisions in quality. There is, but it doesn't follow those revisions. And I think this is just simply a result of these companies using 5 to 10% tolerant resistors and 20-plus percent tolerant capacitors, which is smart for a consumer product, especially back then when you would never, ever have been able to tell the difference on 99% of displays that you were seeing. But I think the differences that you might see is that. And Voltar and I years ago now, geez, like eight years ago or something, did like a all day six hour plus live stream testing a lot of different motherboard revisions. And there were even a couple of one chips that were a few serial numbers apart. So they they were most likely through the same batch that outputted slightly different quality video. However, once you've bypassed them, they're all the same. So a one-ship, a one, two, three, or a mini if you have a quality bypass, not some glued together garbage you might find on eBay. So, you know, apologies to any good sellers on eBay, but good sellers are already understanding why I'm saying that because I'm sure they see all the garbage out there too. As long as you're using a quality bypass on those, they're all going to look identical. And you're going to keep composite in S video. So one ships might still be the thing to look for. Uh, if you want all of those signals and if you want the absolute best. However, the new Voltar 2-chip mod is absolutely amazing. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to go over one final time. I almost always refer to any Super Nintendo that's not a 1-chip as non-1-chips just to absolutely uh, get rid of any confusion. However, I've always heard them called 2-chips. And it's referring to the two PPU. Technically, the one chip combines two PPUs and a CPU, which if you wanted to argue semantics, that would make these three chips. And if that's how I had heard them referred to for over 10 years, that might be what I had called this. However, I think in the context of video mods and especially in the context of the bypass, a two-chip mod is actually the correct nomenclature. But if you wanna be super pedantic and obsessive about it, please definitely write in the comments and explain to me why you think I'm wrong. I'm definitely gonna read every word, I promise. We all are, and we're definitely gonna take you seriously. Now, a little more on that two-chip mod I just talked about, but first, Holy crap, Mark from My Life and Gaming posted an amazing video about this. And it didn't just explain the two chip mod, it dug in deep as to phase and how sampling works, but in a way that's super easy for people to understand. I mean, this is absolutely top tier My Life in Gaming right here. I mean, this is the stuff that, uh, these are the videos that I get very, very excited for. And yes, I do understand that some people misinterpreted it as being overly obsessive, but that's the opposite of the message Mark was trying to convey, because he oversimplified quite a lot in that, hey, this is, you know, this is just deep diving. This is a technical analysis. This is what I want to do, but here's how it applies to you. So I I cannot stress enough how amazing this video is. And even if you don't care about Super Nintendo at all, you might want to watch it just for the amazing education you'll get and how this stuff is displayed. So, or or how this stuff is portrayed to you and and how to understand it. And you can apply this to basically any analog outputting console. However, this specific video was about Voltar's two-chip bypass for Super Nintendos, and it makes a world of difference. I was so impressed when I tried it, and as both Mark and I did say in the video, there have been plenty of other bypasses out, and some of them sort of worked, some of them really didn't. A couple of them absolutely did work, but specific to motherboard revisions, and maybe not with every game. There might have been some some weirdness with that, or there might have still been some sort of interference, and there's Of course, the ones like Bordy did quite a lot of research a few years ago on this, and the bypass that he ended up doing made it look worse because it did sharpen the video up quite a bit, but then it enhanced all of the other negativity about it. Kind of like if you do a Genesis 1 bypass without doing the RAM noise fix you will sharpen up your video, but it'll make it look like the jail bars are far worse because they're not hidden by the noise. So while there are other absolutely great solutions out there, they might be great just for a specific scenario, whereas Voltar spent years now. uh, In fact, I remember November of 2021, Uh, maybe 22, he said, uh, yeah, 22. He said he's going to have this shipped to me in two weeks because he's completely done with it. And it took another year because he wanted to really make it simple to install and wanted to double check that everything really was going to work as promised. And there were a few things that people might perceive as negative as a result of that. The first is the boards as are available or will be available soon will disable composite and desk video there is absolutely a possibility of him or, or anybody else releasing an advanced kit or an advanced add-on to this or something that could add those signals back in. And in fact, there might be specific motherboard revisions that you could probably just do a slightly different type of mod to it using the same board and retain composite and S-Video. But in order to make this a very simple, hey, I have a a scaler, an OSSC, a tank 5X or 4K. I only use RGB. How do I get my SNES to finally look good on a flat panel? I think this accomplished all of the goals. The other thing that I'm sure some people are going to be upset about is this was really important to Voltar to get right. So he wanted to make sure that the first couple of rounds of boards installed were installed by him personally to make sure there were no more gutches. Because anybody that's ever done any kind of thing like this where you install it in multiple motherboard revisions that each have their own quirks, even if you test every board revision... Maybe there is a PPU revision difference, which I I ran into on a live stream, which I'll probably talk about next week. You could have the same motherboard revision, a different PPU revision, and not even realize there were multiple revisions. So he wants to have people send their consoles in. He's going to do the mod. That way he could double check everything. And then the board is going to be released for do-it-yourselfers. I 100% support this. If I had spent multiple years working on something like this, I would probably do the same thing. Um, You know, people are going to say negative things about that no matter what but just be patient these do-it-yourself boards will be out at some point and uh, I just, I'm very excited for it. I had a, a lot of fun making the video and doing the testing. I have a Retro Game Restore Super Famicom case with a Voltar mod built in. I'm going to have to list for sale soon. i also going to have to list that Opetus uh, modded SNES, because even though it looks great, it's uh, I spent an insane amount of money getting all of this stuff in, all of these SNES consoles. I got to really try to recruit, recoup some of my costs. So if you're interested in that stuff, or maybe some others, definitely let me know in the comments Message me and I'll see what I can do. But just once again, very cool mod, but holy crap, what an excellent video for Mark. So please, you know, even if you don't have time to watch the whole video now, go through and read the post because Mark does a great job summarizing this stuff. And then definitely add this to your must watch list because what a great video and uh, what a very cool mod that I'm uh, very happy to see you get out there. Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just did a really interesting video about a Game Boy Color prototype dev board. So I think a few people may have seen some of the development kits floating around by Intelligent Systems. I owned uh, one for the, or a couple of them for the DS, not the 3DS, but just the regular DS. And those are interesting and those are all worth a closer look. However, this was a prototype of one of them for the Game Boy Color. And it was really neat because there was a different boot screen and I think there might have been different color palette options. I believe Tito may have followed up with a social media post on one of those to check that out. But this was just a really neat um, exposure to what the development must have been like back then. Because you see the boards, you see how you're able to test. And uh, the board that Tito used... Also had ability to plug into a computer. There was another kit that he showed. I don't want to spoil it, but you also get to see a laptop with period or time period correct software running on it, so you can see how the whole process worked, start to finish. It, so this was a fun one. Um, you know, I like all of Tito's videos. The instructional videos are great and super helpful, but also this one. I mean. You know, you're not going to find one of these, but I still really enjoyed the look into it, you know, just to see what it was like, see how it worked. And I think this was very cool. So if you're a curious person or a collector just looking for, hey, you know, what other neat thing could I try to hunt down if there's only a few of in the world or something like that, I definitely recommend the video. This was definitely a fun one. Okay, anybody who cares about controller latency needs to get very excited because there is a new piece of software with a hardware companion called GamePadla that works on Windows as well as Mac and possibly Linux as well that helps you test the latency of controllers. And it is kind of a two part thing. It does have software that you could use where you could just test your controller as is, and it's not super accurate because it's doing quite a few things to try and guess the latency. However, if you get a cheap Arduino. Uh, I got one of these, uh, I think the Nano or Micro or whatever it is, I got a three-pack for less than 20 bucks. You could wire up a, a signal to one of the pads on the controller, and ground. And much like the Mr. Test Kit I've talked about, you could use Windows to test extremely accurate latency. So what this is going to end up doing is have another database out there of testing controllers that allows you to understand which are the best ones to buy. And I think that is so crucially important because there are controllers out there that look cool but are super laggy. And there are controllers out there that are absolutely amazing in one or two modes and terrible in another. So it's still a great controller and still one that I would recommend. Just make sure to use it in mode A and not mode B or something like that. And up until now, the ways to test that could be with an LED and a slow motion camera, which would take all day to get a handful of results. And it's fairly accurate or you could use the Mr. Test Kit, which to be honest, if you already own a Mr. with an IO board that has a snack user IO port, it still is an excellent way to do this. And probably what I would recommend if you already own a Mr. with that extra IO board on there, of course, and that will get you down to the millisecond measurements. And this does the same thing using Windows. The only downside is anybody who's ever used Windows knows that sometimes it gets bloated. So there's a potential of you having spyware, viruses, something on your computer, or just a really old bloated computer that came from the factory with a bunch of software on it. So technically, your computer might be slower than if you had just erased windows and started over. That is the only downside to this. However, I'm already talking to a few people behind the scenes as to working on ways that will make, this, uh, make that less of an option but we're still talking about milliseconds here. So that's what really makes this so exciting is even if your Windows machine is a little slower than others, unless it's way off, which you'll know immediately, of course, when running the tests, you should be able to get millisecond level measurements for your controller. And I did an interview with the creator, John, and his girlfriend, Anna, who put together a video on how to make the hardware for this. And it was just exciting to hear other people get as into this stuff as most of us are. So what does this mean for you? If you don't have the time or patience to do any of this stuff, Now you just have another database to check to verify what controllers you might want to buy. So everybody will benefit. However, if you even give the tiniest bit of a shit about this stuff, you could do something like buy a verified controller. And when you go to do some PC gaming, maybe you could just run the not as accurate software only lag test. And that could verify that your setup's running well. So here's just a a silly but honestly very accurate example let's say you buy a a controller that's been tested at eight milliseconds of latency in wireless mode you bring it home and you use the software only test and you get eight or nine milliseconds or 10 milliseconds and you're like okay cool every time you go for a hardcore gaming session just run that test really quickly and if you get about the same great but what if you do that one day and you get 30 milliseconds out of nowhere Nothing You thought nothing was changed. Just maybe try restarting your computer or see what else happened. But what a quick and awesome way to verify your setup before a gaming session. I think that that alone, you know, half the people listening are probably going to go, I'm not doing that every time I play a game. That's stupid. And the other half of the people listening are going, wow, so I could spend like 20, 30 seconds testing something to make sure like, hell yeah, I'm going in to do that. So, you know, there's definitely two camps, but also if you care a little bit, even a little bit about testing your own stuff, this is amazing, and I actually think this should be pretty much mandatory for any controller manufacturer. Funny enough, I found out about GamePadla from Robert from Retro Fighters. So we already have one company who—they're the ones who bought a full Mister Kit off of me. I gave them a—I got them a really awesome retro castle kit in order to test latency that way. So I think they should do both. I think they should have both setups running. Once you've soldered the wire to your controller, that's. They're going to take the longest amount of time. So they should be able to test it in both modes and verify all of this stuff. And I think all controller manufacturers should. And telling them that they have to buy a Mr., learn how to use it, learn how to use the other stuff, you know, that's kind of a big ask for some of these places. That's why it was so awesome that Retro Fighters was all in from the beginning on it. But asking somebody to take a computer, even an older laptop, just dedicate it to this, buy a cheap piece of testing hardware and just solder two points to a PCB. I mean, that is about as easy of a request as you could ask any company. And any controller company that pushes back uh, should probably be a little suspicious of why they're pushing back for for doing stuff like that. So uh, this is one more step to really pushing companies to Publish their lag testing testing results and be more transparent about it. So definitely try the free software, even if you're just curious. Um, I really strongly recommend listening to the interview as well. It was kind of on the shorter side. Uh, English is not their first language, and they were very concerned that it wasn't going to flow smoothly I thought it went great either way. But then John even offered to edit it and add some B-roll footage in there for some more uh, visualizations, which was so nice of him. So it's kind of a short one, but I still think that I really... Almost because it's short. It's like a must-listen now because you get to hear exactly what the software is about and why they ended up doing it. And I just very, in case you can't tell, I'm super excited about this. Because while it might not seem like that big of a deal now, this has the potential to change how all gamers, modern, retro, doesn't matter. This has the potential to change how all gamers start to view their controllers. Hey, there's a brand new controller. Nice. Nice. What's the latency? Let me check the GamePadlet database, maybe even reference the Mr. Database as well and see what it's like before buying. So this is absolutely awesome. I hope to do a live stream of this uh, maybe I'll do it right after I'm done recording these and try to just squeeze it all in during the day today. Maybe I'll do it later in the week, but I just want to try this out myself uh, and I want to do it live to show everybody. So um, if I do, I'll embed it in the post. At the moment, I have our Mr. Lag Testing videos embedded in there. So just kind of uh, as a reference, so you can see how both work. They're, basically, they work very similar. So Definitely check all this stuff out. And thanks again to John and Anna for, for taking the time to do this because it was very cool, and uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, care of Lou from Lou's RetroSource. As usual, I'm just going to skim through these and add my thoughts when I feel like it. But if you want visual examples and more details, please check out Lou's video. First up, I am super happy that the MystX project is starting to come to fruition. Now, that is the not so much fork, but evolution of making Mr. work on multiple hardware platforms. That was started by Hans. I had done the interview with him last year and uh, really enjoyed the interview. And I was really happy to see this um, this kind of come about. And now it's the first prototype is heading to production for a production sample prototype, and it's based on a QM Tech FPGA, not the Intel-based one that is on the DE10. So this will still require porting of the cores. However, there's two options that are pretty exciting. One is probably about $120 to run basically almost everything that MiSTer could run, which is very cheap, all things considered. But there's also going to be a version that uses a uh, FPGA that is more powerful than the one on the DE10. And it'll run about 200 bucks total in hardware cost, which is really cool. So this is, I mean, this has the potential to be a game changer. And this is something that, you know, I really think the Mystex framework, if you will, is something that the whole community should really embrace. And I mean this with support and thanks to Sorg and the Mr. Project. I mean, this, once again, this is not a fork of the project saying, screw them, come do it our way. This is embracing the original. And I think that when other platforms are released, like the QM tech-based stuff, this is really what's going to ensure that all of the hard work in the Mr. Project doesn't get lost. It could just evolve with hardware. And it's got so much potential that I would actually say that people should really take a look at the projects they're currently working on and see if that fits. I know there's a bunch of different projects out there. Mars is uh, the one that's been the most vocal, but there's a few other projects that are looking to basically port Mr. to other hardware. And it might be worth pausing, seeing where you're at in development and kind of seeing where this could take you. And I mean that with love, and I'm certainly not picking on Mars. It's just they were the the loudest and most vocal to announce a new platform. I don't know how far along they are with hardware design, but with prices like this, maybe, maybe that would be more, maybe their efforts would be better spent just grabbing this, adapting it to you know, their, their goals for what it plugs into and embracing this instead of building it all from scratch. Or or maybe their board is completely done. I honestly don't know. I haven't heard any major updates, but I'm just saying this has the potential to be all of those other projects while still embracing the core mister stuff as well. So I could talk for another hour about this. I'm just going to move on, but I'm excited to see Hans make progress. And I just hope the community welcomes, welcomes this with open arms, not as, competition because it's not. It really is. I couldn't think of a more respectful way to help take all of the work that's already out there and ensure that it could grow with the new hardware that's released. Next up, the Tap 2 project has been officially released. And that's the one that offers tools uh, to launch games from NFC, whether it's the tap cards or the the hue card style cards. So this is very fun and very exciting. And uh, I think for people that like a tactile experience, This is as close as you're going to get in MISTER's current form of loading cartridges. They're not cartridges, but hopefully you get what I mean. Next, the Groovy MISTER project has been updated to support audio. So Calamity added audio streaming as well, which means just like the original beta, you could get audio and video through your MISTER onto a CRT, with only a few milliseconds of latency compared to the main PC that it is running on. So that is absolutely awesome for CRT users uh, because it, just, it is tricky to get PCs working on reliably on CRTs. So this is definitely something that I, I think has amazing potential. And once again, I, I always look to what could happen through this. I bet you it could be pretty easily ported once everything is um, is worked out to do things like stream videos, your 480i videos to a CRT. That's not easy to do. Uh, It might be able to play PC games, like imagine AM2R, 240p, that way. I think that is great. So to see progress being made on that is very cool. Um, There is also front-end support being worked on and other emulators being ported over to it. So we'll let you know if there's uh, an official release of that. Uh, Next up, Jimmy Stone's made some changes to the Robotron core that makes... Uh, that has high score auto-saving. There's also some more info and updates on the N64 core. Once again, if you are into FPGA development at all, Robert's Patreon should be like a must-subscribe. He goes into detail talking about the different things that he's doing to to perfect the core, to work out all the bugs. It really is just super impressive. And even though I'm not smart enough to understand a lot of it, I still really appreciate reading it. And just, I read every one. So thank you, Robert. Um, Mr. Laggies are now available in Europe from Ultimate Mister. Mr. Laggy is that lag tester that you could use if you have any IO port, so the, uh, the snack port in your mister, to test display latency. And that was done by Martin, a.k.a. Wicker And while I wouldn't say go buy a mister just to do this, now your mister, if you already own one, it seems like a no-brainer to get a, a $10 or 10 euro thing that allows you to have essentially a time sleuth built into your mister very cool that the mister is now a, a very handy tool as well as the, you know the best FPGA gaming platform you could get love it <laughs> Next, Hotego updated a bunch of old cores uh, just for maintenance releases. And I know it's not as exciting as new cores being released, but I certainly really appreciate when developers go back and refine their previous cores, especially if they've learned something new on a newer one or if they have a, a better ch- uh, reverse engineered chip, they could add that code. And that's exactly the type of thing Hotego did. So it affects a bunch of arcade cores and also re uh, enabled. some Street Fighter ROM hacks. Sorry, my cough completely went away. I think I just, uh, I think I must have not had enough coffee this morning or something. But Uh, next, the next game on the Mr. Discord game challenge is Tetris Attack for the SNES. You have to compete on the two-minute time trial mode, and this will go on until February 9th. And lastly, the Saturn core has had a bunch of updates to both VDPs and the SCU that affected a handful of games. So SRG 320 is just continuing to refine that core and make it better and better, which is absolutely awesome. I wasn't really sure a Saturn core would ever be possible. So that's very awesome. Thank you very much for all that work. And thank you to Lou, because I would never be able to keep up with all of this stuff without him. So thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to Lou's channel as well and check out the video if you want better examples and less Bob rambling. The single flash Hyperboy ROM cart for the Virtual Boy is now in stock at Stone Age Gamer. You can get the basic edition for $165, and for an additional $50, you can get a special edition that has a box, a quick start guide, a tray insert. Basically, it'll feel like you're buying a brand new Virtual Boy game. And this is different from the Hyper Flash 32 in a couple of different ways. First, there's no E-Ink screen, and it's also not a multi-cart. You can't load a bunch of games on an SD card. You use Thunderstruck software to flash one game at a time. It's very easy to use software. You basically just plug it all into your PC and only takes a few seconds. However, it is less expensive. So if you want to save 70 bucks off of the other one, then that's why you would buy this. Also, it's in stock right now. So if you're a huge fan of the Virtual Boy, you might pick this one up and then also get a HyperFlash 32. So then you could use them both to, in a link cable to play two-player Virtual Boy games. That's a bit hardcore, but it's something I certainly appreciated and enjoyed quite a bit when I was able to do it. So highly recommend it if you're a giant fan of the Virtual Boy. And also, if you want a better idea of what any of these things are, I did a live stream where the first 20 minutes or so were going through all of the awesome hardware choices. Uh, And then I I showed some game footage. So if you were interested in that, cool. If not, just drop off after the beginning. And I also did a pretty deep dive video of the HyperFlash 32 E-Ink version. So if you wanted to know what these things are like, you could watch that and just know that this is the single flash version, but it can play the entire library, including homebrew. So that is another reason that you might want to pick this one up in that you could at least access all of the homebrew and all of the awesomeness for a cheaper price. So if, uh, if you're interested, definitely check out Ronnie's post. The, uh, the link to buy it's right up here, and it is still, once again, in stock and ready to go at the moment. Lex Locatelli just posted a video about how to color calibrate your CRT, which is something that most people don't realize how important it is. And while you can color calibrate by eye, and I do know a few people who are ridiculously good at doing it that way, your eyes are not perfect and can be fooled by the way a CRT draws its image. So you really need a colorometer in order to do that properly. And this guide uses completely free software as well as colorometers that you could buy new for 200 but you can get them used for way cheaper. I have one sitting over there that I got for a fraction of that used on eBay a while back. Still haven't used it, so I'm going to watch Lex's guide and maybe finally put that uh, you know, put that to good use. But this guide is absolutely awesome. It uh, It is inspired by a lot of other work that's been out there, including work from Dan Mons who wrote the post so if it's uh, getting the thumbs up thumbs up from Dan Mons then this is obviously a calibration video worth watching you don't uh, you know you don't get experts saying your video is good without it actually being good so I strongly recommend considering this. At the very least, read through Dan's post and see what he has to say about it, and then give Lex's video a shot. The one other thing to note is you could calibrate, technically, any SDR display this way, including even a brand new OLED TV in SDR mode. So if you wanted to make sure that the colors were coming out properly, I would absolutely do something like this. Um, Other parts of calibration can be much trickier. Uh, Geometry, all that other stuff, but color calibration with a guide like this could be something that most people could handle no problem. So I would definitely give this one a chance if you care at all what the colors are like on your display. And I hope you do because the testing we've done actually uh, that. Dan posted about a while back, even things like uh, the Japanese color versus North America, the D93 versus 60, I forgot the numbers, I apologize, but that was something that turned out to be way more important than I guessed, because I had played through a couple of games, and some of the live streams I did, switching back and forth between the color formats, and it really made a big deal to me at least. So stuff like this is important and I'm so glad that there's tools out there and guides like this that allow you to do that much easier. So thanks very much to Lex and of course thanks to Dan for all of the collaboration stuff that he's been doing over the years. This Friday pre-orders will be open for Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore, and there's so much fun stuff to talk about here. First off, this game was created by Seth Fulkerson, a.k.a. Doppley, and it was a spiritual successor to the CDI Zelda games, which Seth was the developer who reverse engineered those and re-released them for PC, and they were actually playable. So after doing that, Seth was inspired to make his own game and ended up making this, which all of the reviews that I've heard of it so far describe it as being a good game, but also fun and just something that puts a smile on your face when you're playing it. You know, it's got some tongue-in-cheek, CDI-based humor, uh, but it also is just a good game. So I'm very excited to try it out. And normally, I would only be interested in the regular editions. No offense whatsoever. There's a lot of collectors that love collector's editions. I don't have the room for it. And there are basic editions available. You could pre-order from limited run games for the Switch, PS4, PS5, and Xbox Series for $35 for a hard copy. So that alone is awesome. I love that there's just normal, in fact, cheaper than normal prices to get this but you could also get special editions for 90 which include a bunch of <coughs> pretty cool special edition style stuff, and a pink CDI style remote controller thing. Now, you could also buy this separately, a gray one for 35 but essentially it's a USB controller designed to look like the spoon style remote for the CDI, and it works with computers as well as the Switch, and it's ridiculous. You'll probably never, ever, ever want to use this to actually play a game, and I'm definitely buying one. In fact, I might buy it just to leave plugged into my mister instead of a keyboard and just program, you know, menu buttons and stuff like that. So if I need to access different things, I could uh, just have this plugged in as a remote for it. But it is hysterical. I love that limited run games took the chance to make something like that, it's especially something ridiculous that. So many people aren't going to get the joke. So it's just, you know, I, they get so much hate, but props, seriously, props for this. This was, I, I, you know, I don't really have anything against that company, but I just think that they need to be applauded when they do silly things like this, because they could have easily said like, no, nah, no, that's not a big deal. No, people aren't going to think that's funny. And I think it's absolutely awesome. So I think I'm going to end up getting the special edition and get a separate gray remote just so I could have two of these things. And you know what? I'm going to lag test it, because why not? Why wouldn't I? It's me. I'm going to lag test the, the CDI Spoon-style <laughs> USB controller, and I'll do it using Mr. and game Padla just just to add those ridiculous things to the database. There's also a vinyl version of the soundtrack, T-shirts, and all that other stuff. So <clears throat> if you're interested, definitely consider pre-ordering this Friday. I think it's going to ship within a few weeks, and I'm really looking forward to both playing the game, but also getting those silly controllers. If you want to hear more from Seth and the, the full origin story on all of this and just hear a cool podcast from a, from a good dev, then I would listen to this one. Um, as always, it's available everywhere podcasts can be found. Just search for RetroRGBDoply or check out the video embedded right in the link. But I'm excited for this game. This is going to be fun. Well, that's it for this week. But for any of my fellow content creators, I wanted to give a camera mounting update thing Uh, i finally after two plus years of having a short mic stand balanced on an upside down rack of cds with my camera mounted to it i got a ceiling mount and It's one of those things where I I hesitated for all the right reasons, especially just drilling random holes in my wall when I wasn't sure it was going to work or even be able to hold up the cameras that I use. But it seems to have been a perfect fit, so I have it now, and I have the camera angled in the right way. Uh, I it's much easier to open the windows now here, so it, it was a total win. I have to get. I have to just keep adjusting it a little bit because uh, I am at kind of an interesting angle here. And when I'm half asleep, my, uh, my left eye droops, which I guess is a sign of getting old. So whatever. But it, when I started re- shooting the podcast before, I realized like the angle of this made my left eye look like it was like an inch <laughs> lower than my right eye. So I have to do some more tweaks, but I think this is it. The only major complaint that I have is the Sony ZV-1 software sucks. The remote app, Uh, I can't even uh, zoom, uh, like, you know, use the zoom function with the computer. And I think I've been, it's been working okay by leaving it in full auto mode. And then all I have to do is reach underneath, power on the camera, and then zoom in a little bit. Once I set the zoom, maybe adjust it a tiny bit. It's been fine, but it would be way easier if I didn't have to do that at all. If I could just power it on, load up an app and zoom and you know, the auto functions seem to be okay. I don't think it's, you know, swapping between focusing on me and the backgrounds. I don't think the color has been off, but I still prefer manual mode. So if anybody knows, is there a third-party app for the ZV-1, even a paid app that allows me to control it like web or like computer apps should actually work? The Sony software is in embarrassingly bad. You know, if the camera's not in one mode, you can't change certain things. So in a situation like this, it's completely useless. So I think I'm going to stick with this for the short term, but please let me know what you think, and especially let me know if you know of any manual app for any of this. But anyway, um, as always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially... Thanks to anybody who supports in any way because it is you who's keeping all this going. And by the way, that includes people who support by just helping me with camera tips and mounting tips. I really appreciate it. Even if uh, some of the comments are things I already know, I appreciate that you took the time just in case I didn't already know that fact. So thank you all very much and I will see you all next week. This week's roundup is brought to you by Neo Paradigm Entertainment. Connecting Southeast Asian influencers with opportunities in the West.